0: Hey folks, it's Ellis Maxwell, your host for 1088 Podcast. And uh, today, we're finally back online. I was out of commission for a minute, busy working on some other projects. Maybe we'll chat about them. And uh, But let's get into this and uh, entertain those ears of yours. Today, the guest that uh, is going to be joining me is Eric. Uh, Eric and I, we work together in the police department. Um, and then, uh, he, uh, retired and left the, uh, agency and went on a walkabout of the world. Pretty badass. And, uh, now he's working with me at Shield Balance, um, handling uh, a lot of the investigations that, uh, come through. But, uh, got a little bit of background noise on this episode and, uh, I think it'll be alright because we'll give you some good, uh, content here and, the background noise will kind of fade away you won't even be paying attention to it we're driving back to the beautiful spiritual state of utah it was up in idaho man cruised up to idaho yesterday and i spoke at a woman's conference it was the first annual uh wheeler conference it was a woman's conference i can't remember the name of it um the host, uh, Chris, up there invited me to speak, and it was a humbling experience. It was awesome to be able to share the story of Operation Stop It by Shield Balance. And, uh, yeah, we delivered that message to the audience, and they seemed very entertained, and everybody had a positive feedback and learned and i've received some messages from some folks in the audience that shared their story with me and how they are survivors of domestic abuse super awesome and uh, you know here probably in about five or six weeks we'll bring that three-hour presentation operation stop it to the salt lake valley and is what it is it's uh it's a message that, uh, to share with people in the community about stopping domestic abuse, homicides. We've got to put a stop to it. And uh, you know, we need to do better in a whole in listening to those around us and looking and feeling our gut and in our heart, especially when somebody approaches us and is sharing some information about a relationship that they're in and you know they could be minimizing and downplaying some of the concerns that they're experiencing in the relationship but really at the end of the day it's not as mild as they're portraying it to be it's it's more of a serious situation and so The presentation Operation Stop It is basically a message to bring awareness to domestic abuse and uh, prevention for domestic abuse murders. Um, I don't know about you, but if uh, somebody, you know, one of my daughters was murdered in a domestic abuse situation, I would be completely beside myself. And that's how we have to look at these situations that uh, folks are involved in with their uh, or, or, you know, they might hear, you know, a friend or a family member, um, you know, it might not be a direct child or something or maybe a sibling that you care about, but uh, think about it as if it was your kid, if it was your child that was in this situation. You're going to be more open to help them, and uh, so we need to kind of maybe take that stance and uh, try to help people, but Anyways, uh, it was a super awesome experience, thanks to Rupert, Idaho, and the community there, and uh, let's bring on Eric, 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 Eric is a stud, man, he's worked at uh, West Jordan Police Department, West Valley Police Department, all kinds of experience, Um, you know, when he left the uh, department, he left as a sergeant, smart, uh, educated, That's why with uh, Shield Balance, man, we we bring on only the best to uh, handle cases and consult with victims of abuse and whatever other cases we come across. But uh, Eric, welcome. Thank you. Glad you uh, finally came on. I've been trying to get you on for a minute and kind of... I know. I don't it blows wanna, me off. Man.
1: I don't. Well, yeah. I just don't like talking about myself. I'm not. <laughs> I'm pretty introverted myself. So, <coughs> but you got you got me. You got a captive audience here in the
0: car. Yeah, yeah. I had to get him in. I had to get him in the car. Invite him up to Idaho, and then uh, we're driving back. And I'm like, oh, guess what? We're gonna record a podcast. Um, so, if the if you get a really loud noise like wind, it's probably him opening the door and jumping out. <laughs> right so let's talk about uh what do you want to share with us as far as an experience a case or uh situation or any aspect in police work whether if you're at uh West Jordan or West Valley in your career what would you like to share with our audience today
1: um well I I loved I loved law enforcement I loved my experience um I didn't do the full 20 years, you know, um, I, I got out after 10 years, 10 years total, um, most of that at West Valley, but uh, I, ever since I was like 6, 7 years old, I remember wanting to be a, a police officer, and all I can say about my experience is I got to do everything I put in for and wanted to do, I got to do great opportunities, uh,
0: particularly there at, uh, West Valley. Uh, was, was it, uh, was it everything you expected going into police work? Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, I, again, I remember whether it was on patrol or in investigations division, um, I just remember waking up and I just couldn't wait to get to work, you know, I, that's how much I loved it, and, uh, that, I, I just got burned out, uh, over time, I think, that's why I got out, and it got to a point where it wasn't, it wasn't fun for me anymore, and so that's, that's when I figured it was probably time to leave, um, but there's always, there's always gonna be a part of me that misses it, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm not interested in going back, but, uh, definitely there it's just such a different it's a it's a it's a different career you know it's uh, it's pretty much like a lifestyle you know being a police officer
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: um uh, made wonderful friends you know some of the best people I've ever worked with in any job were there at West Valley some great people taught me a lot um yeah, I, I, uh, I got out after about 10 years and uh, <laughs> I don't know it uh, I kind of I kind of I I don't know what I was looking for but I went on this long walk about uh, for about two years traveled to different countries and just lived abroad for that time and I think 25 different countries went to and just... Wow. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. And uh, just had a just had a great time, and came back and thought about getting back into police work, but uh, thankfully didn't. You know, I I, I uh, I've had some chances to do some very unique jobs, including uh, working with you, Ellis, uh, in Shield Balance, which I'm enjoying thoroughly.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, you know, I I really respect people that are in an assignment, right? They're doing an assignment for a couple of years or three years or whatever, and they realize, they recognize that they're just, that interest that they had when they first got in isn't there, and, and they pull out. And that's, I mean, it basically is where you were at in police work, right? You. You worked all these different assignments. You, um, was very, very, very good at all of your assignments and, uh, did a great job. And then you reached a point where you're just like, you know, what, I'm not digging it like I used to. And rather than staying in and doing mediocre work and not contributing a hundred percent, you pull the plug. And I think that is really, really, really important, man. If you're, in, a, in a, an assignment, especially when you're there for people that are calling for help. Like, your heart needs to be in it. You want to do the right thing. It's about doing the right thing. It's about following up and following all the way through a case and um, and and uh, really giving 100% for these folks and these victims, right? And if you're not into that assignment anymore, you're not going to do that. That's just it. I...
1: I... I didn't feel like having lost a little bit just burned out, I guess uh, I felt like it wasn't it was it's too important a job to to approach half-ass you know, or to uh, you know, it, it's, it, it, there are too too many people relying on you to, uh, if, if you're not going to be doing your best at this job, then and that's what I realized, I just needed to get out because I realized I was kind of in this, uh, in this stage of, of work, you know, of kind of being burned out and, and what exacerbated it was going, you know, was promoting because then I was removed one step further from what I loved about police work in the first place, which was, you know, helping people. Giving him whatever service that no one else can, you know, as a as a as a cop. So, yeah, it was it was the right time for me to get out, and and uh, it only could take about a year of being a sergeant before I <laughs> before I pulled the plug. A year. I
0: only made it a year. That's that's what broke you down. That, what, what, yeah, what, I was, what part of what part after promoting? um you know cuz prior to you going in and promoting you still was fresh and just still full of everything right i mean you could have kept working but what is it in police work or after promoting that just kind of breaks these people down what broke you down what um you know how government
1: bureaucracy is there's uh, i think it's You kind of have to step back. I don't know if I could name one thing, but it does start to wear on you—the the the bureaucracy and and working with within an administration. uh, You know, as a supervisor, just to me that it, it sometimes I would feel like I couldn't win. You know, I would make I would make a call on you know make a decision on something and. You know, you what you hear, you know what you hear. The feedback you hear from from your supervisors is that you know this. That's not the way. You made the wrong decision. You know, next time try to do this. And I, I just I don't know. I I I for me it really was that uh, I was kind of reached. You know, I kind of had reached that burnout point. That's why I thought maybe if I promote that'll change up the job a little bit but all it did is further remove me from what I loved and so it, I was, while I was in that stage I, it, you know, just promoting um, definitely speeded that up, my exit from the department Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know, I, I just see too many people that stay in because they want to make their 20 years and They're miserable for the last 10, you know, and I didn't want to. That scared me more than anything, is being. Feeling like I was going to be stuck there for no other reason other than to fulfill a a full retirement.
0: Yeah, and, you know, now we're starting to get a little bit of rain, so we're going to add some more background music for your listening. (laughs) Hopefully it'll be short lived. But, anyways, um, yeah, it's not. It's not the working with the community and, and, and people calling for service and stuff like that. It's not doing the actual job that breaks down most police officers as much as it is the internal operations, the administration, the lack of leadership. I've had these discussions on, the, on some other episodes and, uh, you know, it just goes to show that, um, you know, here's another, another former cop that was educated, smart, uh, wanted to get in for the right reasons, did amazing work while he was in, but then uh, reached a point with the, the culture within the walls of these police departments like, I'm out, I'm out. And I get it. And that's something that eventually, hopefully, um, that'll change because uh, we really need people like, like Eric to, to stay in and, and deliver some really good service to the people who need some help and, uh, and, and then help and teach these new ones coming in. I mean, I hate to go down this road, but I'm going to just for a couple of minutes, but right, the Lorne the McCluskey case... I mean, I've talked about it a couple of times this week on uh, the radio and uh, I mentioned it a little bit last night, but um, a, pr- a prime example right there where you have uh, somebody goes out and takes a call and claims to run a criminal history and, uh, but then dude is not in jail and he's a parole, he's on probation parole, he's a registered sex offender that information shows up on the criminal history, but uh dude never goes to jail. So, you know, hey, whoever that was, go find another job, dude. Go to Walmart. Fuck. Yeah. You know, if you can't, if these folks can't do their job and they're not going to give it 100%, and they're not going to believe and listen to victims that are calling, it's time to find another job.
1: That's true, and that, that case is so tragic. Um, how how the ball could have been dropped, uh, that, that badly is, I mean, it's, it, it makes me angry. I don't know about you, but it makes me angry. I, I, uh, I just think more should have been done. It, it, uh, certainly could have been done and, and should have been done. There was You know, what kind of motivated me, I, not only did I love doing the work, but part of it was fear. For I was terrified of something like uh, the McCluskey case happening because of something I did, oh. or didn't do. Yes. And, and you know, having a caseload as a detective, especially working major crimes where you're dealing with potential homicides or dead bodies, and you have to determine... Have to figure out the cause and manner of death, and, and uh, I was always terrified that I was going to get something wrong or somebody was going to get away with literally murder on, on my watch. And so, or in the schools, I was always, oh, I, yeah. always had, I always had to feel like I always felt like I needed to be at the school because I was terrified that you know, if there's a active shooter, you know, and I wear you know, if I'm not at the school, I, that, that thought would keep me up. You know? yeah yeah and so that that was a lot of motivation as I didn't want to
0: be that guy yeah yeah I mean nobody wants to be that guy that would be I mean I guess there's people out there that do mediocre work and and they don't give a shit but uh you know when you have guys that do care and they're doing things for the right reasons uh you know we definitely don't want that at all zero um And, you know, what's super rad is that, you know, we've done that job and uh, collectively 30 years between the two of us and we are now, you know, you've been been out for a decade, I've been out for a few years, but we still have that desire to help people. And that's where Shield Balance comes in to help and, and doing private investigation work because we can... Help these victims or help these clients. I don't want to say they're all victims because, you know, we have clients that call us and uh, want some help putting a case together, or wants some consulting on, uh, you know, going about a divorce or a child custody case or whatever. So, um, but we can do that, and we don't have the micromanaging, poor leadership, governed by policy. Um, You know, all of that crazy stuff. And and we can do the right thing. We're not managed by time, right? I mean, we don't have, like, 20 calls holding for service and feel like we got to cut things short. So um, that's really huge, man, especially with as busy as these agencies are. And, say, like in McCluskey's case, you know, if, if they were... If, if Lauren would have called us or if her parents would have called us and was like, "Hey, you know we're in this situation, I think we might need some help or need your help." I mean we're kind of in a consulting position, but we're gonna we're gonna listen, right? We're gonna listen to our client we're gonna hear them and windshield wipers <laughs> anyways um. And and you know if we see the ball dropped by an agency, we can we know we know what they should be doing, and we're not out there. Let me remind you, folks, we're not out there trying to do the cops' job. We've already done it. We're just being an advocate for our clients, and then um, and we're not trying to hold departments accountable or call them out or none of that. It's not about any of that, as much as you know. What if this new guy on the road doesn't pick up on these signs? We're going to pick up on them, and then we can, you know, get a hold of the agency or whatever, and be like, "Look, you might, you need to take a look at this or take a look at that." And I think it's super important. Um, all right, I went off on a tangent there. Uh, you mentioned major crimes. You mentioned schools. Uh, you are promoted as a sergeant. You also worked, uh, another assignment that I know you did was Internet Crimes Against Children, right? Was there another... Out- That's right. Uh, that was uh, really probably
1: the funnest for me assignment I had.
0: And um,
1: How for those is, of you how is know,
0: Internet Crimes Against Children fun? Well, it- What was the fun aspect of that? I worked that assignment. I don't think I got to do the fun stuff you got to do. Well, if we were part of a
1: what it was, if you remember, was it uh, uh, to catch a predator? Do you remember that series where oh, yeah. they would they would uh, they would have pose as a you know an underage uh, underage kid and uh, have these travelers come meet at the house and they. They would, uh, I guess uh, in the end of the series, they were actually arresting and working in cooperation with police. Uh, but it, it initially started with just the producer, you know. The, the, uh, the show was just the TV crew itself. And then the, just the interviews would, would take place with these, these travelers. Uh, right. And so it was 2000, 2004... And I thought, I knew that there was a Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, but West Valley was not a participating, and, and I just thought that, that doing that kind of work would be really fun, and so I wrote a proposal and got a lot of support from, from my sergeant and uh, sent it up the chain, uh, a proposal for West Valley to join for the task force, and basically created my position there. Nice. And served uh, served in that position for three years and uh, ju- just had a, met some fantastic people. Being a task force, you know, we were, we were uh, teamed up with the FBI. In fact, we worked out of the FBI office in Salt Lake yeah. and uh, just met some brilliant, fantastic and hard-working people, and, and, uh, this was, you know, the, traveled all over the country really, um, getting training, uh, you know, high-tech crimes training, uh, learning how to track IPs, and, and, uh, just the, the, uh, the basic, the basics of, uh, doing a, an online investigation. Including, you know, identifying uh, suspects, victims, uh, as well as doing the undercover stuff where we would... It's... The, the interesting thing about that crime, uh, to me, is... Which crimes that? Well, in, in Well... Uh, child, you know, uh, uh, crimes enticing against children. A minor. Or, yeah, enticing a minor or anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing about it is your suspects your pedophiles, they they cross all, uh, they cross all, uh, they're throughout society. I mean, you can have doctors, you can have very successful people, you can have, it can be a, a homeless person on the street, it
0: can be a, a teacher, it can be. And these are also your travelers. When you're saying Fred a traveler, traveler, that's your pedophile, that's your perpetrator, that's your bad guy that is enticing this minor over the Internet, whether it's through social media or uh, some other sort of platform, right? Yes. And, and those are the operations. That's what you liked. That's what was fun. That was fun. And
1: um, that's all I thought that Internet Crimes Against Children was, is uh, that we would be working these travel traveler cases, uh, undercover and, you know, posing as a 12-year-old boy or 13-year-old girl and and uh, arresting them when they traveled to uh, a location to uh, meet up with what
0: they thought was an underage person. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really I think that is a really, really good program, and, and that's a good operation. It's a good uh, way to get these guys off the streets, because... They legit believe that you're this 13-year-old soccer girl. What was your name again? I could, do you remember what name you had? There were
1: sev- oh, There, was, there were a several. few, but, yeah, one of them was Soccer Girl something. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember. So- soccer Girl 123 or something. Yeah. But, yeah, we would uh, – the technology changes so fast, and so I, I know that uh, I got out of that position in 2006, and I'm sure things are just – uh, much more refined as far as investigations go, and from what I from what I hear from those that I still talk to uh, that are doing it currently, uh, that it's they they do some pretty cool operations. Uh, a lot of it becomes automated as far as identifying uh, suspicious IPs IPs of of persons that have that. Are accessing child pornography, going and doing knock and talks. Uh, it was just a. It was you're 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 defending children, and uh, you the the investigations were just a lot of fun to do. I I got a lot of enjoyment out of it, um, and I think to this day they they still have a position there. Uh, after I left, they they continue to send a West Valley officer up to. To uh, the task force, so yeah. I guess that's my my one legacy at West Valley is <laughs> there's
0: that position. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you put it you put the proposal together, and uh-huh. and I, I I think it is. I believe it's still going as well. And uh, I remember uh, I remember when you did that and and went into that assignment, and you know we still would talk. And It sounded like really fun. I tried to get in there a couple of times. I, I finally got in there in uh 2012 I think 2012 2013 finally got my foot in there but it was nothing like what Eric uh explained there wasn't we weren't doing a lot of like traveler stuff and it was more of you know they have these programs where you get these IPs and I mean all you're doing is all I did for the seven or nine months I think I was there nine months was look at images and uh which I mean is good right you get these people they're exchanging these awful images of kids and you know we know one thing leads to another and so it's good to get those people locked up but uh it just uh, I, I couldn't do it I, I got it. I think I ended up with a video and I'll just stop with that. And I yeah. watched that video, and I was—I wanted to murder somebody myself. And I uh, was very angry. I think, you know...
1: It changes your sense of humor. I mean, you you have a... You, you develop a very dark sense of humor. And it can be offensive to people that just have no idea, you know, no idea what it is you're dealing with. But you just... Yeah. You have
0: to. You but have you've to, got to uh, to get
1: through it. To get through it, and... and uh, you know sometimes laughing at something that somebody might find offensive or too dark uh, uh, sometimes you'd lo- you're, you you just have to you have to laugh at it because yeah. it, th- there are some pretty you know it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty difficult thing that that you're dealing with uh, the exploitation Children.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, and I, when I went over there in 2012-13, um, the Utah State Attorney General's Office is one that houses Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, which is comprised of uh, officers, detectives from multiple different jurisdictions in the uh, in the valley there, in the Salt Lake County Valley. But um, the one thing that I was really, really impressed is... And the only reason this happened is because they ended up with some grant money. But uh, they brought in uh, a psychologist. Oh, and, yeah, they brought in a psychologist. And it was really rad the way they went about it. Because uh, they allowed the crew, the full-time crew, to uh, pick a handful of psychologists. They brought him in. They interviewed them. And the full-time crew... That worked. ICAC, uh, if I remember correctly, they were the ones that chose which psychologist they wanted. And uh, the psychologist, uh, at the end of it, once they got it all set up, would meet with them and talk to all of them. And then I think the psychologist would follow up with them uh, either every six months or 12 months to make sure they're doing okay, because that is some traumatic shit looking at. Uh, these awful images and videos of these adults exploiting these children, and I don't give a fuck who you are. That's just wrong. And and having to see that day after day after day, it's got to take a toll on your brain. It and is, so, it definitely does. Um, and if, you know, it definitely yeah. affected me. I don't have any problem saying that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, I had a. I had one way it affected me. I realized is, I, I don't have my own children and I didn't I, I didn't have the, my own children at the time wasn't married and uh kids whenever I was around kids they made me very uncomfortable uh that's how how it affected me um, oh wow I just I don't I didn't I didn't like to be around kids <laughs> or you know you go to you know I would I remember going to uh to that outdoor mall, the gateway, and I would find myself doing things like, you know, they, they have the splash pad where kids play in the water there, and they'll, they'll do that on hot summer days, and right. I just found myself constantly looking around that I would always be looking at who's looking at kids, yeah, you know, that's yeah. what I would, that's how it affected me, I was always looking at, looking at the people,
0: and you're profiling them, well, yeah, yes. I, I, I like, remember well, doing the exact yes. same thing, yeah.
1: And it's... It's a... Uh, I don't know that that's really healthy, you know. But since, you know, I've... I've... I feel, you know... I've had lots of time now out of it. And, you know, I feel like I've... I've come to terms with a lot of it. And I have... You know, I'm raising a six-year-old. And he's... You know, he's... I love him to death. And I have a great
0: relationship with him. And yeah. So I... I th- Is that a kid you picked up on one of your travelers? Yeah, right. Like when you're traveling? No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the dark humor we're talking about right there. Yeah. Where'd you pick him up? Thailand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's super rad. Yeah, no, I tell you, it's a very, it's a very unique assignment. It's a very well-needed assignment um, to try to keep these perps away from, from our kids, absolutely that's cool they have a
1: psychologist. I thought, I thought that they needed to do more. They, uh, I don't know what you did, uh, when it switched offices from the FBI office to the, to the attorney general's office, but they would fly us, they would fly us out to, we would go take the MMPI, which if you don't know that, that's a, I think it's the Minnesota, um, I forget what it stands for, but it's a, it's a uh personality test basically oh um 1100 questions or something like that uh-huh. <laughs> but i've taken the thing so many times they would they would fly us out i think every nine months we'd fly into dallas and we'd take these personality tests no is this every every nine months and talk to a talk to a psychologist and oh, they would wow. ask us how everything was going and
0: that's and good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it was. What the, was the personality test more like to see if you were a perpetrator before going in no. or becoming a perpetrator, or because I'm telling you, like I'll be honest with you, I went to some training when I got on with ICAC. I was back in St. Louis, and uh, we were doing some uh, practice runs where we dove in and we role played in the dark, in the black dark web, right? and you've got these freaking awful, awful websites where that's all that is going on, folks. That's all that's going on are right. people chatting back and forth and, and negotiating, uh, changing, you know, swapping up their kids. Yes. Like I role-played it. I was in uh, Utah, and I had an 11-year-old, but I wanted to trade my 11-year-old for the weekend with, you know, for a 14-year-old. And this person from Texas was like, Oh, I've got this, I'll trade you kids. I'm just like, What in the Christ? It's awful, it's horrible, yes. right? And so, um, oh, sorry, my, okay, I need to shut up, dude. I started squirreling off there, but, um, oh, that's where I was going. There we go. So when I was back in St. Louis, I was looking at all these people because as soon as it was time for a break, I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to look at this shit anymore. But then there would be other cops that are sitting there, and they wouldn't walk away from their computers. So then I'm like, oh, dude, like, are you getting off looking at this shit? (laughs) Right? I mean, I started questioning some of these guys. But, you know, I don't know. Um, That's why I asked about the personality test because... I think it's important that, uh, you know, something like that be done, right? You don't want somebody that's...
1: No, you definitely need to screen that. Mostly what, uh, what they're doing is they're making, they want to know if your job is affecting you and that's, and so what they're looking for, even even though you're taking the same test over and over again, you know, every nine months or whatever, um, they're looking for changes in your personality that that might be red flags, meaning it's having more of an effect on you than than uh, it should. So it's basically to protect you. They're there to help protect you yeah. from the the heinousness of it. Um, and they do that. It's a protocol that they have, not just for working. This is all through the FBI, so they call them, you know, C7. Agents are ones that work this kind of this this kind of crime. But if you are undercover at all, working for the FBI, then this is something they do every nine months to a year. Yeah, if you're working a drug case, say, and you're undercover, then you would have the same protocol of going and taking your taking your tests and talking to the counselor, just making sure everything's squared away. Yeah.
0: What are some things... Uh, let's chat and share with uh, our audience. You know, because I'm sure some of our audience... I think I'm... Like, we're, it's estimated we have about 900 listeners. So, uh, kudos and thank you to all of you that are listening to this podcast. Um, thank you. Spread the word, man. Get it out there. And, uh, you know, share the 1088 podcast. Let's get some more listeners. Because this is all really good content. But... Um, for our audience let's share with them the ones you know have kids or maybe you're going to have kids down the road and uh, what you know what can we do to to educate our kids to avoid getting wrapped up with somebody that's going to entice them right like we we have to talk to our kids about this stuff I know my kids I talk to them all the time and uh, you know you don't you don't uh, believe anything that's telling you over the internet, you know, somebody's telling you this or that, you need to not believe it, when you talk to our kids, if, if somebody's telling them to, to, you know, meet up somewhere, not to do that, you know, I think that comes in with being honest with your kids as well, and, and them being comfortable to come to you to say, hey, mom, dad, uh, you know, I was online, and this guy instant message me on facebook and he says that he wants to meet at the mall um you know we need to teach our kids not to do those things and not to believe right i mean they could get on there and say they're they're 17 years old but they could be 32 years old right i mean what did they did ICAT give you training on prevention and an awareness for the families we would put on we would put on uh as part of what we would
1: do, we would uh, we would we would give um, little seminars on internet safety, um, yeah. you know, in schools or you know church groups, and uh, so yeah, there was there was some uh, education, you know, this outreach that was going going on, uh, and the, you know the internet. It's so. It's such an amazing thing. It's changed our world so, so incredibly, and yeah. so incredibly fast. It's constantly changing. Like I said, the what what internet crimes what the task force probably does now has nothing. To, it, it is in no in no way uh, resembles the probably what we were doing. Yeah, I worked yeah. a lot of the peer to peer networks, and I imagine they 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 also investigate. They continue to investigate peer-to-peer yeah. networks, but I'm sure that the way they do it and the software they're using is, um, like I said, much more refined and, and it probably doesn't resemble much of what I used to do uh, working, say, LimeWire, you know, yeah. uh, one of the ones we investigated. Right, right. Um, but all of that changes so quickly, and I would say, I would say for parents, they just have to... If you have a kid that's going to be online, you just have to stay informed about what apps they're using, where they're going, and just what they're doing online. You just have to. Uh, it's. Uh,
0: well, yeah. As, I, as
1: well with having talks with your kids. Yeah. You know, that's like you important. said. Uh, being honest. Honest.
0: Honest and, and being forward and putting it out there, not sugarcoating or minimizing shit. Like, you know, I mean, at this point. These kids that are getting online and running and gunning on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that, I'm guessing they're probably what? Jesus, it's probably blow us out. You probably have eight-year-olds that are on fucking Facebook. But I would say, you know, preteen. Oh, for sure. Um, But by the time you get a preteen, they already should be familiar with sex abuse. Like, we should be educating those kids early, right? Right. Yes. So in some in some form you know uh,
1: yeah and one of them being that they always need to have that ability to open a line of communication with you. That and is it, important it is and so they, they always you know they, they need to be aware that um, they can talk to you that they're not going to be in trouble for talking to you. And I think a lot of kids don't feel that way they feel, when, when they are, when they do get abused and we would run across them all the time. They, they, uh, it was, it was the secret that they kept that kept the, you know, that perpetuated the crime. Uh, so that was, that was hard to see. And we saw a lot of parents of most of our real life victims. And we, like I said, we ran into them all the time, uh, it was pretty eye-opening to see how disconnected the parents were in these kids' lives. Uh, oh, so sad. And and that's they they were vulnerable kids. They were they were going to uh, they were vulnerable to this kind of abuse. And uh, so I I think if I ever could I would try to. We would even have parents that knew there was a sexual there was sexual abuse going on and. Never contacted law enforcement, uh, and you know they they would get charges. We would charge them with failure to report if uh, we could prove that they knew. And it, it just good. just the fact that you're running across people like that that know their kids are being abused and don't do anything about it
0: um, it, it just it mystified me. I just speaking of uh, all of this that we're talking about, did you? I haven't read the article but uh, I was told earlier this week that Alabama Alabama passed a law that if you are convicted of a sex offense and you go to jail before you're released chemical they they chemical, uh, crest, castration. chemical castration dude huh that's interesting. I, it is. It is. And if you if you don't agree to the chemical castration, then uh, you stay in prison. Um, it's like a way I, of getting a lighter sentence, huh? Is that what it is? Maybe. Maybe it's a lighter sentence, but uh, you still get a choice. But <laughs> I think it's great. I honestly, I mean, uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. It's something that I've always thought about Especially, you know, working child sex offenses And ICAC And you've got these perpetrators And it's like, you know what, if you're going to perp on a kid You should be castrated (laughs) You know But we're in America, right? That's something we don't do And who would have ever, ever thought That they would do it And Alabama's doing it But, you know, that's great Chemical castration But they still have their testicles. I think they should lose them. <laughs> because that takes away that takes away that manhood. It takes away that um, you know, I don't think I honestly think if if a sex offender was chemically castrated, I think they would still perp. I think they'd still commit crimes.
1: Yeah, I don't but think it's a it's a guarantee that it's going to stop anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least they're not going to get anybody pregnant if it was an adult or somebody that was old enough, right? Um, that's good, but I think they're still going to. I still think they're going to commit crimes. Right. Now, if you were to fully castrate them, like uh, you know, a horse or a, a steer or what you know what I'm saying, not a steer but a bull, right? Dude, take them. They should take them. <laughs> What uh, the fuck? I mean, right. hey, we're talking about abortion and all this other stuff, right? Yeah, dude, you perp on a child, and you're a male. Cut, cut some stitches. Send them home.
1: Oh, well, you start, you start arresting these people, uh, and you start to really, you <laughs> just, you just want to burn down their lives. Really, yeah. When you see some of the crimes they commit, what oh, they've been so doing, sick. And, and so you, you get a very jaded and. Yeah. Uh, um, i <laughs> you know one one guy on my task force uh in fact he told he you know he just told the truth to the to the to the psychologist said you know i i want to basically burn down these people's lives yeah. for what they do to do to kids and yeah and she flagged him she flagged him so he had to go he had to go back more often to talk to her <laughs> and I,
0: I think he might be listening to this i, I think know. i know who it is I don't maybe know. maybe not anyways um that's funny. But right. uh,
1: that that's the way you start to feel about it Yeah. and uh it, it can make you jaded and uh, my my favorite thing to do with these guys was just to play the uh they a lot of them it's such a dark part of their life and they might be very successful in in virtually any other part of their life but it's it's a dark secret that nobody knows and yeah. you know, my favorite thing my favorite thing to do is interview them bec- and I would I'll almost always take the tack of a, a priest. I would be the the the, cop priest, mm-hmm. and you know, give your confession to me, and and, uh, ninety ninety five percent of them would confess, to this, and it's, they they just want to get it, you know, it's something so dark and
0: they want it. Deep they, into they, them. they they know they they're doing to. bad yes, stuff. They know
1: it. They know it's bad, and they. They, they want to get it off their chest. And
0: some of them want out of it. Yeah, sure. Some of them that's sure. that's, that's wrapped up in this child pornography. Right. Not necessarily perping physically on a child, but just the, the images and the videos. They, they they know it's bad. They want to get away, but it's an addiction. It's an addiction like alcohol and drugs and mm-hmm. you know Coca-Cola or Windex, whatever the hell, right? So, um, well, it's
1: their sexual predilection. Yeah, it's just as you yeah. think of what your... What your whatever your strongest sexual desire is, and and just imagine if that was herping yeah. on kids, and that's yeah. what it is for them, and they know they know it's wrong, yeah, and they want to get it off their chest. That was I really as as disgusting as I was as disgusted as I was with a lot of these people. I did like to interview them and yeah. and kind of get into their psychology and and, and I would do everything. I could to put them at ease even mm-hmm. though in my yep. mind I'm like god damn you're you are a disgusting pig yep. I want yep. you know I want to burn your life down yeah but I give them every opportunity don't judge them and just let yep. them
0: talk uh, dude know. see and that's good cop work man so that means somebody's doing the right thing that's what we need that's what we need in police work. that's what we need in private investigators is we need that you know to be there for these people uh all right well let's take a break man as you guys know, there's no background noise cuz we had to stop. So, we're going to take a break. We'll visit you in a moment. All right, we're back online. It's a good little break. Um so you know, we talked about internet crimes, these travelers and uh you know, all that stuff. What is one of uh your traveler cases? that stands out that you remember, whether if it was funny or uh aggravating, but where you were, you know, role playing online as a as a child and you get this guy, you're ba- he's enticing you, but you're enticing him, right? I mean, kinda sorta. And you gotta meet him up. Let's talk about one of your cases that you actually met up and they showed up and instead of them finding a thirteen year old soccer girl, they find Eric. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we we,
1: uh, we often referred to it, it was as shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> because... It's uh, that crazy busy. It's that crazy busy. And, and we were that successful at, at, at arresting people for the undercover ops, uh, in the undercover ops. I think, from Well,
0: what I hear, they're even busier now. Um... But well, we would have. Hold on a sec. Hold on. So, is, I want to understand, and I want the audience to understand. Again, like I said, when I was in ICAC, I never had this opportunity. But um, so, you're a 13 year old. Where where are you online? Where are you at on the internet that uh, these guys are enticing you? Well, this is this is what
1: what I'm talking about. About the internet uh, moving our society so fast, and and what. What was popular back when I was working it, uh, either no longer exist or they're they they uh, have moved on to other platforms uh, um, to conduct their investigations. I you know there wasn't a Facebook when when uh, I was working. It was MySpace. So you so you're a 13 year old um, on MySpace. Is that how you're would, finding these guys? We would go into different chat rooms back what they had I mean they had chat rooms back then that were quite popular and like, like a, on Yahoo or Yahoo okay, is worked a, okay, a lot that. a lot a uh, lot in Yahoo chat rooms but that's that's all changed now uh, where
0: do you think they're at now what, there's there's uh, I guess probably, probably on Facebook maybe huh? yeah, Facebook I'm sure all the social they, media
1: sites I'm sure they target all all these different platforms uh, um you know, a lot of the a lot of the apps become really popular with kids, and that's where the perpetrators will go. And you know, you have like the Kick app, yeah, uh, Kick, Snap, uh, you know, Snapchat, WhatsApp. yeah, Snapchat, WhatsApp. and and these are the. It's the kids that make them popular. They're the ones that. Uh, that's how Facebook started. It started with kids, right, or you know, college students. In in in, uh, in uh, the example of Facebook, but. But they drive. They drive what becomes popular. These platforms that become popular. I, uh, I, first time I had heard about what's you know about WhatsApp and Snapchat, uh, uh, Snapchat were uh, were kids that had it on their phone. You know, yeah. it was kids that I saw had it first, and now the adults come around to it. But um, perpetrators will will. They key in on that what is what is popular with the kids, and that's where they go often if they're if that's what their
0: intentions are. And then these these perps are then preying on on these apps with these with these kids, and they just get them get them chatting, and then it's time to meet up. Right. So let's talk about one of your meetups, man. Like you've got to have a good one. Where... There's there's.
1: Uh there's a couple cases that really stand out. One of them was a 26-year-old male, and he had engaged me in a chat room thinking I was a 12-year-old girl, and was being very careful with what he would say and what he what he wanted to do. He definitely wanted to meet up, but he wouldn't say exactly why or what the what the purpose was. He was being being careful. He was afraid that it was possibly a either a sting or that you know he didn't want to leave evidence in it in a chat room. So, uh, so the rest of my squad, um, we would you know had a fish on the line. The, there was one that. Uh, they were confident it was going to travel, so they started setting up an arrest team, and that's just the funnest going out to when you, you the look yeah. the look on their face. Oh just, yeah. uh, dude, I uh, love it. It's they they just they just fall they just, they just they just you can see it on their face. They just <laughs> cave in on themselves, you know, when they realize what's going on that they're they're going to jail or they're going to prison. Uh, and like I said, these people could often have very successful lives. Um, and they know it's all coming to an end. And so yeah, the relationships or yeah. career there, we had one guy show up. Yeah. He told his wife he was going out to get diapers and came to me, came to meet. you know, meet us. He had his, his, uh, he had like four kids and had a, like the baby seat, you know, in the back of the van, his minivan, and showed up after chatting with one of our agents. Um, so you you would run across all sorts of different kind of people, and uh, that was very interesting to me, fascinating. But
0: so where are uh, you where are you meeting these travelers? Are you getting like a VRBO, a house somewhere, an apartment, or are you meeting up at like? Uh, lagoon or what's going on i i hesitate to I, or I'm is not, this I or somebody, is this
1: police tactic stuff well somebody i respected uh immensely on that task force i remember him always saying never receive never uh never reveal sources or methods <laughs> no that's good you're right and absolutely
0: police tactics right police tactics yeah yes, you don't you want you don't want to do that so that's but, after I asked that question. I'm like, wait a minute. This might be a tactic, right? Uh huh. So and, and and frankly, there was uh,
1: the the meets could take place anywhere. We we gotcha. we, we were we didn't have a specific um, uh, or an exclusive uh, place that we would you know try to that, that these would be arranged. Sometimes it would be uh, the perpetrator would insist on a meeting place being a specific place. So sometimes it would be chosen by, by the perpetrator, just depending. But, uh, so on this, on this case I had, um, the guy was creeping, there was something about him. You, you hear about police having the hinky, the hinky feeling, or they have the hinky button in there.
0: Yeah, yeah you in their gut right
1: that—that uh, six cents. Yes, and I didn't think I had it. I didn't have enough really to arrest this guy, but I definitely wanted to identify him. And so, as the other team went out um, to arrest somebody else, they had and and did did affect an arrest. I I excused myself from that arrest team because I really felt important to identify this guy and at least at least give him a scolding, you know, I, I went out there with the intention of just, uh, um, pulling him over, uh, he was showing up in his truck and pulling him over and basically doing a, you know, a finger wag at him and, uh, scaring him, you know, enough, but I just didn't think I had enough for a rest. He ended up, um, again, following the model of, uh, uh, the priest, the the priest, police. Yeah, um, he he uh, he broke down in tears and said uh, said how he had uh, done this before, and we ended up through his through his cooperation, uh, including showing us um, usernames uh, that. Of, of people, of, of girls that he had met, underage girls he had met and oh, had wow. sex with. Uh, really? He showed us the usernames, and we, I seized his computer, which he was chatting on a a data a data connection in his car on his laptop uh, with me. Um, so when I pulled him over, he had to. He had his, uh, and back then that was. You know, a cell internet connection was uh, not as common as it is now. Right. But uh, seized his laptop, uh, subpoenaed Yahoo, and found the IP addresses of, of four live victims across all well, uh, in Colorado and Utah. Wow. And wow. Where was
0: this guy from? He was from uh, Lehigh, Utah. So wow. But that he, is awesome, dude. He was so a, this guy wasn't gonna go to jail. He wasn't. Uh, you were just gonna chew his ass out, scare him, and he completely breaks down and confesses to multiple crimes before confesses to his wow. real real life victims. Uh, so he, nice. I never ended
1: up charging him with uh, enticing a minor over the internet on my case, but from that case came. Were able to identify rape of a child, yeah. Four, four, uh, you know, four girls again that age 12, you know, 12, 13, 14 year olds that had met with this guy and, and had sex. And awesome work, dude! It was, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's rewarding when you can do that and, um, working with a dedicated prosecutor, uh, you know. Through the U.S. Attorney's office, yeah. it's really nice too. Yeah. Somebody that you can have on your speed dial uh, to consult with as you're working cases. Um, it's just it was a it's a good deal. And, and uh, yeah, but great. after three years, you know, I, I kind of again it, it that kind of work just kind of was getting yeah. getting to me. I was ready to leave at three years. That's about as long as I can do it.
0: Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, oh, understood totally. And uh, well, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing. And, uh, you know, as far as you folks uh, listening, if there's a perpetrator out there listening, get the fuck off the internet, dude. Stop it. Leave these kids alone. Sick. Anyways, for the rest of you, the majority, probably 99%, maybe all are listening or good people, because good people listen to 1088 podcasts, because we're good people. Right, Eric? Right. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, the takeaway is uh, on this is, um, you know, educate your kids, man. Talk to your kids about this stuff. Talk to them. Be in their lives. Yeah, be in their lives. Let them make sure they've got an open communication to you. And, uh, um You know, make sure they understand these uh, perpetrators are all over, man. They're on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, whatever. All these different apps out there. They're there, and they're preying on these kids. We need to make sure the kids are educated and, and comfortable to come to their parents and tell them anything without getting in trouble. They're learning. They're kids. They're growing up. Their brains are still developing people. So be patient with them can't get pissed off and treat them like an adult and expect them to know right from wrong when their fucking brain ain't even developed so um be patient with them let's educate them let's keep them safe right uh well let's move on to uh something else. wait wait ho oh, what what shut up dude melvin roland does that name ring a bell with you dude How do you know this? Was he your cousin? What the fuck? He was my cousin. (laughs) We had good times.
1: No,
0: he... You had had, uh, personal contact with Melvin Rowland. If you people don't know who that douchebag is, um, he's now deceased. Uh, He did uh, our community a favor by... uh, Well, I guess I shouldn't be that dark... But, anyways, as someone one. worked re-
1: with uh, would
0: say, uh, he successfully rehabilitated himself. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Successfully rehabilitated himself. Um, but he's the one that's responsible for taking Lauren McCluskey's life. But, um, anyways, do you mind, sharing about Melvin? You know, I No, not. I
1: mean,. There's there's not much to the case uh, I know there's that not much that I to had. the
0: case, but dude, you knew him.
1: I, Why, I how did you know him? I arrested him. I I uh, I had a case of of uh, I had a uh, back when I worked as a school resource officer. As you know, we would handle some sex crimes against children, uh, special... Yes we do some special victims cases, uh, special victims unit cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I got a report of a 17-year-old girl that was reporting a rape um, by somebody she met online. And I brought in the suspect who was uh, an African-American male by the name of Melvin Sean Rowland... This was in 2004 wow and um, she alleged that he that he uh, they met up and the 17 year old and, and, and uh, Melvin Roland was I think 20, 24 at the time and this was this was his first arrest, his first uh, arrest by law enforcement. In he would later be arrested for enticing a minor over the internet um, in two thousand and ten, I believe. Okay. And um, he, of course, then there was the McCluskey case that happened last year.
0: Yeah, yeah. What was your um, when you heard about the fate of uh, Lauren? And then you learned of who the perpetrator was. What was the first thing that went through your mind? Um,
1: When I first heard, it was maybe uh, a couple days after uh, she was murdered. Uh, uh, McCluskey was murdered. And I, I I recognized the name. I mean, it was familiar to me, but I couldn't remember quite until I saw his picture and then I was able to put it together... But it's the, the the details of that case are just so sad and tragic. Um,
0: but what was what, your first thought? I mean, when my you, first thought when was... when you learned this guy fucking murdered Lauren, and you knew you like you put him in jail in 2004. What was your? I remember the I remember the first thing thinking
1: was how deceptive he was. He was a he was a piece of shit. Deceptive. When I did the interview, he denied the whole thing. He admitted to having sex, but that it was consensual. And in Utah, you know, I think it's a holdover from the culture, from the religious culture. Um, They they have kind of they have peculiar law. The 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 law is somewhat peculiar. If I mean, you can disagree if you want, but uh, the age of consent and how it is in Utah works maybe differently than
0: in a stranger way than it does in other states. And, and And so we're talking about if you're 17, if you're 17, you can consent to sex with an adult, 26 year old. And it's because it's a, it's a, I think at that 17, it's a 10 year age difference. So if you're 11 years older, you can't have sex with a 17 year old. Isn't that, I think if I remember correctly, something fucked up like that.
1: Well, basically in Utah, it works, uh, um, under 14, you're considered a child that is a child. You're not a minor. I mean, by, I'm just talking right. about by statute. This is right. what it is. If right. you're defined as a child, you cannot give consent to have sex. It's rape of a child. Even yes. if a child is a 12 year old or a 13 year old is consenting to sex, right. Right. They, they cannot give consent. But a 14 and a 15 year a 14 old is and 15 have qualified uh, consent. Uh, I think that I one's think five years. Three, I think. Or is that three? Unless they've changed. I its, I yeah, it's uh, three or five it years. Could be a three-year, yeah, three to five-year difference, and it's still not against the law. been a,
0: 16, 16 a 17 sixteen, seventeen-year-old,
1: there can be ten years difference, and it's not against the law. Which um, most, you know, most people, if they're not aware, you know, they, they're they're pretty surprised by that. Um, and that that was the case with uh, with Roland, is he. He was, uh, I think ultimately convicted of, uh, he pled to attempted, uh, forcible sex abuse yeah. or sex assault. So he, he, uh, he, he took a plea agreement. It, it looked like, but, um, yeah. um, where he was 24, 25 at the time, it wasn't against the law for him to have consensual sex with a 17 year old. So, yeah. um, the, the. Of course this whole case being that she was claiming it was uh, force forcible. Yeah. A rape. Yeah. So that that's what we got him on. But uh he was so deceptive, uh and and you could see how how he had this uh manipulating personality. I I I that's the first thing that I thought of when I saw that he was he uh What's the suspect in the McCluskey uh, homicide? Huh. How, how deceptive and, and uh, manipulative he was.
0: Right. Could you imagine if, um, you know, if we were together and, and doing what we're doing now last year, can you imagine getting that phone call of Lauren calling you or, or her parents or, you know, or if they called me and then I? forwarded it over to you and and then them giving you Roland's name can you even fathom how that would hit you no no I I, I can't and that's
1: what's so frustrating about it is you see you, you if you could you just you want to go back in time and help and you can see so much that you know we could have done uh, to to help her maybe and, and, and prevent you know her her murder Yep, um, Yep. But yeah, uh, having a case like that and having—if—if if I had come across him, it would have been. Well, I would have known exactly who he was. Yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. Uh, and, and what he was, what he had done, and, and that he was a sex offender, and, and uh, wouldn't. Yeah, it would have been a fun case, I think, if we had it in time, and and it would have been fun because. Funded, you would, you would like we would have, we would have succeeded. We would have saved
0: her. Yes. His ass would be sitting in prison right now. Yes. Man, missed opportunity there, huh? Yeah. I guess uh, you know for the for the listeners and the community, man. If you don't know, just call us. Just call Shield Balance, man. 833-745-3225. Go to shieldbalance.com. Email us Maxwell at com. Anderson with an O at the uh, S-O-N At com. If you don't know Call us We're we're not going to lie to you We'll tell you what
1: we can and can't do And and there might be a lot that we recommend That has nothing to do with really us But we can provide you
0: The consulting is invaluable Yes, The experience that we have right the direction we can give you we're not your attorney we're not the cops we're not your adv- we're not a victim advocate but we are advocates we're an advocate for you we'll make sure that you or whoever you contact us about um, we're an advocate for them we'll we'll see that everything's getting taken care of the way it needs to be taken care of man give you the direction you need what was your you mentioned earlier, Eric, that um, ICAC was, was was one of your favorite assignments. Would you say that, which assignment would you say was the most rewarding assignment in police work for you? I, I know for me what, what it was, and I can't remember if I've shared it on other episodes, but what was the most rewarding assignment for you in police work? There are... That was very
1: rewarding, and that you felt like you were making a difference. Sometimes, you know, if you're a patrol officer and you're going to your 500th domestic dispute, that you see so much in in, in that in that uh, the the perpetual violence. The, it's, it's so complicated and, and rooted in emotion and, uh, intimacy, um, that you can get burned out really fast. You know, you can, oh, here we are, we're back here. Or you get a, you get a victim of domestic violence that calls us and is nothing but helpful on the night, but give them 48 hours to get to the courtroom. and, And they've already decided to be back with the person and, uh, recant or deny everything that they stated happened, you know, when they wanted help. And it's, it's hard, it's frustrating to see, but yeah. And you, 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 I guess with, uh, internet crimes, that was, I felt rewarded on some, on, you know, a certain level. Uh, I really found that rewarding. Um, but I probably had the, the most fun working at, uh, the junior high as the school resource officer. To me, that was at least rewarding, and that I you you get to build a rapport with 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 kids, and a lot of them come from uh, given where my junior high was. I was assigned to you know coming from uh, poorer families and uh, yeah. uh, minority families, <clears throat> and, and and seeing how these kids deal with the racial diversity, you know, and gangs and, and, and uh, um, being able to advocate for, for the kids, uh, um, in ways you, you really, I felt like my job there was to befriend the kids and as much as possible, give them positive, um, Positive experiences with law enforcement, yeah. Rather than important. showing, you know, which they might only know you as somebody that came and arrested their dad, or um, you know, something, something like that—a negative, uh, a negative experience, yeah—or multiple negative experiences. So, so giving them, building that rapport with the kids was a lot of fun, and uh, I got to. I got to know some really well, and, uh, also working with
0: the school administration, I found very, very fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good people.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. I, I was, uh, I never had the opportunity to work in the junior high, but, uh, was in the high school, and we worked together a little bit over in the high school and right. over at Granger, and that was an awesome, awesome time, uh, two of us and in, in Granger and working. A very, very, very rewarding assignment, um, you know, the, one, the, the most taxing for me, working in the schools, uh, that was exhausting, that just weighed on your shoulder, shoulders every day, was that, that school shooting, man. Like, you know, some kid mm-hmm. going Diki Dow, bringing a gun to school and uh, wanting to ruin the lives of the other students. I mean, that was, that was the one thing that weighed on me heavily all the time. And, uh, you know, you mentioned this earlier when we were uh, talking That you know, when you were working in the schools, you just, you had to be there. Like, I mean, the last thing you wanted to do was um, leave the school and then something happened, like a school shooting, and you not be there to protect those kids or stop that threat, right? Right. It was um, always in my mind. Yeah. Always. Every day I would
1: think about it think about and, and your
0: approach if you had one and where you how you'd go i i would chase him down man well i would call for backup and yeah. i would go i would find that I, that little bugger and stop him that that
1: sheriff's deputy in in florida oh that just God. got he just got charged
0: yes uh who the fuck works in a school failure to render aid and then runs and hides from a a shooting and somebody's killing his kids I I
1: I I don't get it I don't get it especially this long after Columbine and and all the protocols we have for active shooters Uh, I I can't believe that that happened but he's facing 20 years if he gets convicted
0: you know like I think that you know I don't know the ins and outs of that entire case just what I saw on the news but uh I can't help but think to go back in our conversation earlier where we was talking about being burned out and, and not doing the right thing and not giving 100%, you know, just doing mediocre work, you know. I think that's where this guy was at. I think maybe he'd been in the on the force for a minute. He was tired of it. Probably went to the schools thinking he'd have this cush job and he would just sit there until he was 72 years old and whatever. And... Uh, you know that guy should have quit a long time ago. I'm guessing. It sounds like it to me. Um, I,
1: I I would wonder though what what his what the police department itself. I, you know, I I hate to see anyone scapegoated if there's you know a larger institutional uh, problem that needs to be fixed because it, it keeps that. Problem from being addressed. If if anyone could get scapegoated, and so I don't know. Yeah. His claim is that he followed everything that he was trained to do, and to go hide, to go hide, basically keep people away, is what he did. And (laughs) I don't I don't know how that could be the training. I uh, back when I was back in '99 when I went through the academy, uh, we 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 already had the the protocol was to seek and destroy. As yeah. soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you you don't wait around. You can't wait for a full SWAT team to get there. No, um, you're going to you,
0: keep losing victims. Yes. Losing people.
1: So, I don't know what... I would be interested to know what the tra- what training he actually had received. Who knows? It's Florida. Florida's so weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's horrible. But, uh, you know, if you have kids in the schools... Uh, high school junior high and there's not a school resource officer in that on that campus from the time school starts till the time school ends you need to start hitting up your school district, your police department and uh, bring your community together and demand demand that there is a full-time officer in that school. there my personal opinion before I, I, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, Eric, but uh, um, there that last few years that I was in, uh, I put together a college internship program for the department, and it was awesome. And uh, I was doing the sex offender compliance program, and I was doing that full-time. And I was pushing, I, I sent proposals and pushing to try to get... Two cops in uh, full-time in all high schools, not just an SRO and an—because inv- they pulled the investigator position out. Oh, did they? Yeah. They pulled the in. so when Eric and I was in the schools between uh, 2003 and 06, or that's when I was in, they had an SRO spot and they had an investigator spot. The investigator was considered to be in the school part-time. And then the SRO was full-time. And down the road, they pulled the investigator out and just left the SRO, which is nonsense. Because two of you in a high school is adequate. One is not, I don't believe. There's just too many kids, too much going on. These, these high schools keep getting bigger and bigger. Right. And uh, anyways, I was pushing that they put a second back in the high school. And I was pushing that we put a cop in every elementary school. I think there should... You know, we've got... There's other programs out there like the D.A.R.E. program and you've got a an officer that bounces around from elementary to elementary, but there should be a cop full-time in every elementary school, two in every high school and at least one in every junior high, middle school. And um, and they should not be leaving that campus for anything, anything. And if they've taken... If they got vacation time that they're burning... Then somebody needs to to cover that school full time, um, but I can never get it done. Matter of fact, here's a horrible thing right here. And I don't know what your thoughts are on this. The other, holy cow, we just there's this girl on this motorcycle just past us, and she's got this helmet and it has fake hair braids coming out of the top of it. It's awesome. Is she carrying a sword? I don't know what. Anyways, um. Did I pass the exit? Kids in elementary. we got to get off at an exit. 80. Anyways, um, yeah, these uh, kids in the elementary schools, they need them. But West Valley, they ended up pulling their police officers out of the high schools and junior highs and left it to the school district police department. I don't like that. Right. I don't they, like it. They, so are, we need to... If it's our city, okay... Listen to this, folks. If you live in um, Kent, Washington, it should be the the Kent Police Department that's in those schools, building these relationships with these kids, because that's our future. We're going to be working with them down the road when they're adults, right? What sense of... Like, if you're just in a school district covering multiple cities and jurisdictions, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just think that they would be, cops are going to be more efficient in a school in a city they work for. I, I was never, where we
1: had Granite, uh, we had, do they even, did they dissolve that police department? No, they no, still granite, have granite, so police, Granite
0: Police Department granite still. Schools. Granite School Police Department is still in full swing. Nothing against Granite School District Police, but...
1: Um, I'm just not... I'm with you. I'm not a fan of the, of setting up a police department
0: specifically for a school district. That's... I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. Um, listen, if you guys, you know, campaign, push, fight, make sure that you have your local police department's Um, And detectives, officers in your high schools, middle schools, push for elementary schools, we've got to protect our kids we've got to develop that relationship uh, as far as from a law enforcement standpoint with these kids and you know, we know all kids, they don't come from perfect backgrounds and families and they need some uh, additional guidance and direction and there's only so much school counselors, teachers can do and having that additional resource in there. I've been a, an officer in the school that wants to be there and do the right thing. That's, I think it's very impactful, positive impact.
1: It is, and you... you uh, When you're there on site at the school, you, you just you run across things. I mean, you're able to... You, you catch kids. You can see who the problem... You know, the ones that are struggling or the ones that maybe need... Some more interaction you need to interact with more um, you it, I just loved it I felt like you know it was our own little fiefdom there you know yeah the, man. the principal is the mayor and you're kind of the sheriff of the town and yeah and uh but I don't know about you but I approached it very uh I mean
0: I like to befriend
1: the kids as much as
0: possible yeah so, yeah yeah yeah, having a relationship with those kids is huge, and you know, I, I could count on one hand how many citations I wrote for tobacco or this. I would, I would use it as a, a, a positive. Um, like I would take a different approach. Like I would be like, "Hey, look, you know, your attendance sucks. Your grades suck." I'll hang on to this ticket for three months. I need to see some changes. Bring me a pro... I was like playing counselor, dude. I'd make him bring me a progress report, right? Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, work with them, man. Try to get them on the right track, you know? We want them to be successful. We want them to have a a happy environment. And and, uh, I think if you have those things, then, you know, maybe that contributes to them, you know, deterring them from going other directions. But right on man well is there anything else that you uh, have to say like before we wrap this up I appreciate you coming on and chatting
1: well it's about time I know you've been asking me and where we work together I've, <laughs> I, uh, I found I found reasons or excuses not to but uh, it's been really fun and uh, I've enjoyed it it's always good to talk to you
0: Wow, it's always good to talk to you, man. All right, well, cool. Well, listen, folks, I appreciate you tuning in. Again, I uh, apologize that it's taken like, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 12 weeks to get this other episode out there, but, um, you know, there's some good things that are coming from that time frame where uh, I was out and we weren't doing no recordings, Um I'm, cu- I'm curious out of, uh, out of all the listeners out there, how interested would you be to attend Operation Stop It presentation where we discuss, um, domestic abuse awareness and, uh, prevention and, uh, you know, I would share with you... Case studies? Yeah, yeah, case studies case of... Review. Case review. yeah, basically case review of, um, you know, things that we all can learn from Susan's case, uh, Lauren's case, uh, Memory Rackley's case, um, you know, some other cases out there. I'm curious how many folks you'd be interested in. Three hours? Maybe a Thursday night? Um, you know, it costs a few bucks. I gotta, gotta pay the bills, but, uh, wouldn't it wouldn't be, like, overly expensive, um am curious to see if you would be interested uh, shoot me an instant message on Facebook or Instagram or an email either way go to elsmaxwell.com or shieldbalance.com and uh, connect and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter whatever and uh, shoot me an email or a, a message and let me know if that's something you'd be interested in if you're not in the uh, northern uh, Salt Lake area northern Utah area uh, and you're somewhere else is that community you know would they be interested If they are we we'll, I'll bring the show there man meet that's, you and that's how we ended up in uh, Rupert yeah
1: yeah Somebody Rupert out to you and,
0: yep super awesome it was great. great w-
1: people
0: yeah wonderful people All right folks thank you be safe and have a good work week.